Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 9th, 2012. For newcomers, go into the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll find hundreds of audios for download or for free. And I try and give you an understanding into this uh, system you're born into. We're all, but generation after generation, it's the same system that upgrades itself, of course, but we're always lagging behind in understanding where it's all going because they don't really tell you their ultimate plans. They give you lots of hints, though, for those who can take the hints, and uh, there's lots of information put up by the big boys themselves so you can see what they're really, really up to. We're going into a scientifically controlled world system, of course, and it was designed, uh, instant plans were designed a long, long time ago uh, by the big foundations which fronted for the big international banking fraternity. And uh, these are the boys who decided a long time ago to take over the whole of the world's resources, run it in a scientific fashion, they called it, it reduced population and uh, rewild, all that stuff, discussed over a hundred years ago by some of them who published books on it. So we're living through the big change, you see. This is time for change. This is the century of change, in fact, the 21st century, and that's what they planned on all that time ago. So help yourself to the audio as you'll find about the foundations, the organizations, they control, uh, they control all media, of course. And they've been at it for an awful long time. So it's on track as far as I can see. We'll touch on some of that tonight. Remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you because I'm not out here to, to basically sell products that will make you live forever and ever. Amen. But, uh, and I don't own any uh, shares and companies or anything like that that's selling stuff. So it's up to you, uh, if you like the information, to keep me ticking along here by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And from the U.S. to Canada, you can use personal check or international postal money order from the post office, or you can use cash, send cash, or PayPal. And donations are really, really required. Across the world, you have Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal once again. And as I say, what I try to do is to take the old uh, stuff by big players, the old information they put out, who wrote books upon it, who attended world meetings, big parts of of the cultural changes and everything you're, you're seeing right now were made by many of the people who were very prominent in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, in fact. Uh, they attended lots of world meetings, and they set up the United Nations and gave a lot of information at that time about where they intended to take the United Nations and what it was all really about even try to make it world government right at the end of World War II, in fact. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, to, to them, as far as they're concerned, the people wouldn't go for it. So they, they took the Fabian approach, which is uh, the long route, simply by amalgamations and treaties. And that's all treaties are. It's amalgamating um, countries together, economies together, and laws together, until you're really one and the same. It doesn't matter where you are. And, um, and you've always got uh, a, a global government system managing it all, or the deputies of them, such as the World Trade Organization. And we live through this, uh, and of course, 
the goal is it's not terribly pleasant at all because what they're doing to animals they'll eventually do to all of you. In fact, they are doing it to you. The roosters are killing us off fast enough. They're quite happy with the, the death rate right now. Nothing's a panic, even though cancers and everything is through the roof. Apparently, it's right on track. And no one, of course, even says it's a crisis situation, although obviously it is for those dealing with it. So we're living through a big long-term agenda. And I've mentioned many of the players. You'll find their names in some of their books if you listen to the archives section at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. And without that, you will not understand what's happening today. It's beyond the simply daily exposés that they hand out every day to terrify us. You've got to understand the background. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system. This is the century for change, and academia called that uh, the century, what it it was going to be uh, for 50 years before anybody else heard about it, because they were getting trained about it then in all different departments, lots of new departments uh, uh, to do with uh, so-called sustainability and things like that, because the Club of Rome decided a long time ago that... uh, in order to get what they wanted, their sustainable planet idea across, they'd have to either uh, find some external enemy to terrify humankind to come together, give up all the rights, and, and obey their masters. They're talking about a scientific type of dictatorship, of course. Uh, or uh, they, they said that eventually they settled on famine and drought and, and climate change and things like that. So that would fit the bill. That's, that was their job, to find a reason. And of course, all of the zealots that, that have been put in charge uh, know this is a con, but it doesn't matter, it'll do the job. And they, have, they didn't stop there with just a, an idea. They implemented the idea into government long ago. And most treaties today take place uh, without any population's permission. They're just done by leaders who get together in their global cabals and decide to set up institutions like the G20, for instance. No one was asked about the G20. Since when does your elected representative become an internationalist deciding everybody else's fate and how much cash we dish out across the planet and that kind of thing and, and binding treaties with each other? Why not just do away with your own parliament if they're, they're meeting at the G20 and deciding everything? And, um, and that's how they've been doing things for an awful long time. The United Nations, of course, was the instrument that was set up to be the kind of nucleus for it all. And um, it was set up on the basis that it would take over the old British Commonwealth countries. At least you call it the empire, but Milner changed it Commonwealth. It sounds better, less imperialistic. So, uh, And then America would build on it with the rest of the countries through trade. And trade can be used uh, like a military army in some ways to, to give or withhold goods to countries, even food. And therefore the U.S. was to take over uh, the task of promoting this across the planet by warfare or any other means necessary, which we've witnessed and we're witnessing now. And eventually a central bank of the world would be set up, and you have your subsections, which are basically block sections of central banks. The EU has one now, and each country has its mini one. It's, uh, the big ones are now mini ones, as the, the central banks of the EU block takes over, and they're all under the Bank for International Settlements. And that was, of course, explained in great detail by 
Carol Quigley, who was the historian for the group that set it all up and planned it, in fact. But another part, too, is to do with, you know, population. And because we always hear about what's happening, and well, we hear some of what's happening to us in our own countries in the West, but you don't realize that it's across the world. Remember, you have a trilateral commission to do with the three main blocks of the planet that we're setting up. And then you have uh, your G20 for the West and Europe. And you also have the G70 for China and all of the Pacific Rim region countries. And we forget about that, uh, that they all have these same institutions set up for different parts of the planet. They all work together to bring the same rules, regulations, and, and ideas into fruition and, and into concrete reality as they bring the world in. It's kind of like throwing a, a huge fishing net in the sea, and then you, you pull it in, and at the top, it comes like a big bag with a loop at the top, and you're pulling it in, and it gets narrower and narrower and narrower until you've, you've got all the fish trapped in, in the net. That's what it's like. And the only ones who don't know what's happening are the fish themselves. And that's what's happening to all of the, the populations as you're entertained to death. But the signs are all around. Lots of people don't recognize them. They know something's all wrong. Many groups get uh, really angry about things too, but they don't understand the big picture. This is happening across the whole planet. There's nothing happening in your country that isn't happening to all the other countries at the same time. Sometimes laws are passed under different names, and sometimes with the same names for the same laws, to do with bringing in globalism, sustainability, etc. Now, I've mentioned before that the Chinese are adamant because, you see, they're the showpiece for the United Nations for population control, the one-child-per-family idea. And they really enforce it. Mind you, you can get out of it if you're wealthier, more middle class. Chinese have middle class now, good communists, and... Um, they can pay a certain fee to get away with it for a second child, and even a third for some families who are really wealthy. But the general population, the peasant class, uh, like everywhere else, uh, you know, have to, has to do what they're told. Now, this article I've mentioned before, and it came out at the time of Copenhagen, because the Chinese sent a delegation over to ensure that the West pushed the same policies as they have. And sure enough, Unrelated to it, of course, that's how it appeared in the, the, the papers. Uh, we had all these articles coming out in the regular newspapers saying, oh, we should only have one child per family. And then Australia was hit with it too, but CO2 taxes, if you have more than one, yada, yada, yada. And other papers followed suit. But they never mentioned China, because you're not supposed to think about China being a bit of a boss in all of this too. This article says population and climate change are intertwined, but the population issue has remained a blind spot when countries discuss ways to mitigate climate change and slow down global warming. So the, the, the global warming mantra, climate change, fits the bill, remember. So the zealots must repeat it, just like Orwell's zealots in, in the bureaucratic level in 1984. This is according to Zeo Beige, vice uh, minister of National Population and Family Planning Commission of China. Dealing with climate change is not simply an issue of CO2 emission reduction, but a comprehensive challenge involving political, economic, social, cultural, and ecological issues. And the population concern fits right into the picture, said Zhao, who's a member of the Chinese government delegation. Many studies link population growth with emissions and the effects of climate change. 
calculations of the contribution of population growth to emissions growth globally produce a consistent finding that most of past population growth has been responsible for between 40% and 60% of emissions growth, so stated by the 2009 State of World Population, released earlier by the United Nations Population Fund. Now, the United Nations Population Fund is about depopulation, folks. It's very Orwellian. And they, they, they juggle all this stuff up to terrify mainly the youngsters at school into believing all this stuff so they'll go along with it all. It's more important that they do because they're the breeders, you see. They don't care about the older folk who have decided to, to do the things that Charles Galton Darwin says. You know, if we can tempt um, people to have go for cars and uh, a luxurious lifestyle rather than have children, then we'll reduce population. Well, that's already happened in the West. All you have to do is really give them a party every weekend and that's it. You know, and, and the pill. And that's no, that's no kidding. That's really how it was designed. Veteran Russell said the same thing. He said, um, forget women's liberation and all the front organizations that were put out, of course, by the United Nations and funded by you, your taxpayer. Uh, it really was the pill that gave them liberation. If they call it liberation. But it was all to do with what the elite wanted was to depopulate the planet. So here's the Chinese talking about it too, and they're actually demanding that everyone in the West sticks to the plans, that they won't tell you what you know, the actual level of depopulation is supposed to be. That's a secret, you see. That your bosses that you think you elect um, have, have signed treaties too. And that's why too, there's no crisis about you know cancers and things like that. No. There's no crisis about uh, males being almost sterile now. No, nope, it's not right. No. Well, why is that? It's because it was planned that way. And that's why you're going sterile, folks. I mean, who is going to volunteer, eh? Anyway, that's the reality of the world you live in. And for those who will say, well, they'd never do that to us. Well, go back to sleep or party or play with your iPhone or something. And Australia, because it's under this specific region, you see, and China to be the dominant partner, already is, in fact, decided long, long ago. Uh, it's really pushing the envelope for to be a compliant little member, you see. And they've got the right uh, Fabian in right now to, to do it. They always pick women, strange enough, when it's time to really bring the hammer down. And that's why they do, is, is to give a, an image, a certain image of that type of woman. And there are some of them like that, mind you. But uh, it's, it's, it's a, a little laugh on the, on the, by the guys who really control the system. I've noticed that down through history. But... Um, this article here is from Australia, and it says, um, genetically modifying cows, so they'll, I'll put this way, I'll say flatulence for those who get awfully short and blush, you see. Although, although the technical term is actually in the dictionary. It's just, that's one of 40 initiatives to reduce emissions being considered by the cattle and sheep industry. That's from both ends, basically, they're talking about. So, says the research is part of 100 initiatives dubbed Target 100. They always love a name, eh? Target 100. Aimed at delivering sustainable cattle and sheep farming by 2020. Now, this, this Tim Flannery is, is, a, is such a joke, really. He's an environmentalist, the official one. You know, they, they put the scientists, they call them scientists now. Guys who believe in religion, like environmentalism, and, and they make them an expert. 
And this guy's been wrong on everything, including not building the high enough dams and so on, uh, because he said we'd never have lots of rain again, and they've been flooded two years in a row since then. Anyway, here he goes again. He says, he was signed on as the face of the initiative. Every says sustainability is vital for long-term survival of the farming industry. So what does he want to do? Our impact on the environment can be very severe in the agriculture and grazing sectors, he said before the launch of Target 100. We know historically some of the disasters that have happened, species loss, soil degradation and water degradation and so on. But limiting the flatulent expulsion of methane gases not only has a positive impact on the environment but also increases productivity of the animals. Methane is such a waste, he said, and... uh, it says the energy that cows produce in methane could have gone into producing meat. Now, they don't want you to get meat down the road. So, so you know darn well the guy's a liar in, in many camps, actually. They really don't want you to have meat. But I'll read this article. It's awfully important how they're really pulling it over on Australians because they're going to use it, and they are using it in the U.S. as well. Back after this. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about the big system and how the con public, really, that always give you a, a great cause. It's either a religious cause or some, and really this, this whole idea of sustainability uh, was, was decided to make it a religious type cause. It works awfully well. They talked about using the same tactics that religions had used for hundreds and hundreds of years, a belief system, you see. And by repetition and brainwashing the children in the school, lots of ads on television, even little quips during comedies and so on, you'd, you'd all get the point and we'd reinforced and reinforced until you actually believe it's real, you see. The king has no clothes, always works. Works awfully well for the majority of the public. So here's again this flannery, flannery in Australia. And... Um, I must call them something else, the McFlatulins there. But anyway, he's, he's saying here that the energy that cows produce in methane could have gone into producing meat. So he wants them to start breeding the ones that produce less methane uh, with themselves, inbreeding them, in other words, and getting rid of those that produces more, you see. So the farmers have to pay for all these tests and so on. And you know what happens when you inbreed too much? They'll start dying off from some little thing that they should be immune to or whatever. But that's part of the agenda because, you see, they don't want you eating meat down the road. They've They've all said it at the top. A good idea, because some ancient uh, cultures too used to make sure the peasant couldn't eat meat either. The Egyptians were good for that. Because the, the slaves and the general peasant class uh, could the only meat they could eat once in a blue moon, uh, meaning they didn't get caught, was uh, from from catching a goose or something or a duck, and uh, they couldn't eat any of the beef. The beef belonged to the pharaoh, and and of course the bureaucrats all got their slice. So that's really how it was. It kept them kind of working okay, but it kept them stunted and short, and and uh, not too bright. You see. And that's the population they want for a while, until they get rid of all of you and purpose make, made, make the humans the way that they want them to do. Just like the animals here. I mean, you're thinking about it, they're talking about animals here to get rid of a particular uh, quality. Some would call it a quality, depends how you look upon it, or how close you are. But the thing is, the fact is, they could do the same with humans too, in any way that they want to. And they do want to, in many different ways, change all of us, to suit them, you see. But not themselves. Remember what Charles Galton Darwin says, we'll change all the public genetically and so on, but we ourselves must remain wild creatures because wild creatures have survivability capabilities and we have to run the planet. Remember that? 
So I'll start with the animals, and they haven't really started with the animals. They did that initially, but they're also working on humans big time. You can see it all around you. So it's goes on about the, all the different initiatives. It says almost half of the 100 initiatives to improve sustainability in farming deal with gas emissions and include investing in the development of microbes that will help suppress methane production, uh, finding bacteria to metabolize methane and better managing manure. He says this is a guy who's probably never lifted a, lifted a, a pitchfork in his life. You know, the heaviest thing is a fork to his mouth. Another platform with a project is giving consumers an opportunity to learn more about how their beef and lamb is produced. Well, you know, for those who can still go to the occasional barbecue, if you don't know a local council or it's having one, uh, then the last thing you want to talk about is you're having the darn things about how the beef and or the lamb is produced. Eh? I'm sure you'll chat about it. You know. So Australian cattle and sheep farmers are caretakers, yada, yada, yada. But anyway, the fact is, this is the government's PR agenda for the farmers who are getting smashed already with a lot of different things and fines and so on, the same as Canada, the US and elsewhere. And I'll put also another article up uh, to do with the same thing, but it's, uh, it's to do with a, an organization that puts a lot more alternative news out there. And um, you can see how They've got it all down pat, really, all the whole, the whole darn thing to do with methane, etc., as a con. And also show you, too, that with all these um, UN biospheres, we call them over in Canada, the same thing they have over there, big so-called reservations for animals, uh, the dingoes and so on, have intermixed with, with uh, domestic dogs over the years that have gone wild, and they're allowed to go rampaging through the farms, killing all the sheep and cattle and so on. So the government doesn't do anything about it because, you see, dingoes have a, a special hereditary right to do that kind of stuff in Australia, according to them. And also in Britain, Britain's quite something else because, I mean, I really, I th- that article I read last week was so true that people never really rebel. They just take it and take it and take it. Uh, and, and they keep voting, uh, you know. It's like, keep, it's like keeping grabbing the same straws when you're drowning, uh, because it pro- you think it's stuck to the ground somewhere, you may get a lift up, and you, you find it just slips out, and you go under. And you keep voting the same way, because one's a red one, one's a green one, one's a blue one, and so on. You know, nice colours, aren't they? It says here, homeowners could f- be forced to pay for eco-friendly renovations. Now, supposing you smashed a window, or some, somebody put a ball through the window, or whatever. So you could be paid. You would be forced to pay for eco-friendly renovations when you want to make simple household repairs under plans being considered by the government. See, they couldn't get everybody to go for all this, um, uh, you know, enviro proofing your home stuff with the tiny little grants the governments gave you, and then they got lots of people on the grants in all the different countries in the West, and then halfway through they pulled the grants away and just forgot all about them and left you with a massive tab. You see. So they're going to do it by force now. So so you, you break your window and you go to the, the hardware store and they won't sell it unless you get a little, a little chitty from the government saying you're going to also do your attic and put more insulation in and stuff like that. The scheme would affect people installing windows, boilers for water or even conservatories in what has been dubbed a green tax. Local councils would be given powers to make you add a new roof and wall insulation or draft proofing on doors before giving you the go-ahead. Well, don't tell me you're fixing the window and get the window and get glass in advance, folks, if I'm telling you. Back with more after this.
are listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about not just Britain, but this is this article is about Britain, but it's an example of what's happening across the world. Is it all? I don't want to say that G word again because I'd rather go colorblind because it's so disgusting how they tack it onto everything. But um, it said here, it says here that uh, if approved, the new rules will come into force in April 2014, and you could add 10%. Ooh, green levy to a building project, according to the Daily Mail. It said those struggling to meet the extra costs. So if you're poor to start with, right, you could borrow cash under the coalition's, the government's green deal, oh, green deal scheme, repaying the amount through an extra charge on energy bills. So you're going to pay it back through, on, tack it onto your energy bills, you see. Okay, I broke a window. Oh, I can't, you can't replace that until you fix your attic. We can give you, you can borrow some money from us at low interest, eh? And so on. Officials at the Department of Communities and Local Government, Department of Communities and Local Government, it's amazing how they keep changing it, eh? This is actually a Department for Communities and Local Government. That's communitarianism. Said the measures which are under consultation would be mandatory. Just democracy in action. Unless homes already had a high energy performance rating. That's the very wealthy. <laughs> measures listed in the Whitehall plans are believed to include hot water cylinder insulation and draft proofing. So it says, um, it's just your, your typical stuff as they go on this roll, and it's really a roll they're on now because I get so many people sending me the same links sometimes. And, and you see, these are, they want you to talk about all of these different things and keep repeating the buzzwords until you say it quite naturally and start to believe it. You understand? That's also what they do. It's called trending. They create the trends, and everybody grabs on them. Number two, I've mentioned so many times before main meetings are scheduled to come up from their own website. I read it a few years ago, and uh, they said that we always have to terrify the public. Terrify is the word they used into believing that the, that the world's going to come to uh, a dead end unless we do all of these things. Horrible things will happen. So exaggerate everything, you see. And so, sure enough, that's what they're doing because the Rio Plus 20 Summit is in June and that's going to be the big, big one that all the other different branches of it will come under in in their new push towards uh, depopulation under the guise of sustainability and so on. And austerity, of course. You must all be austere, awfully poor, because your spending money has to go in, well, fees like this one here to, to fix your broken window and then you end up fixing the attic and all the rest of it. You see, that's how they're going to do it all. We're post-consumerists, remember. And you felt to live in your, in your communities and get rid of those nasty cars because under Agenda 21, there's to be, from the United Nations, there's to be no private vehicles. They'll get, they'll get there. They'll, they'll get there. No problem about it. Because people won't do anything about it, you see. And another article about the same thing uh, from a different paper. I'll put that up too. Explaining the same darn thing. And uh, how they're going to do it. And this one here is also that Australian one I mentioned earlier that gives you alternate news is, is SOS News. I'll put the link up for that tonight too. There were some videos, and for those who don't, who've got a squeamish stomach, and they don't want to see 
wild dogs or dingoes bringing down the farm animals or what's left of them too sometimes. I don't look at it, at least or the video parts of it at least. It's up to yourselves. Mind you, you can watch wars and, <laughs> and all that and bombing guys over in the Middle East, but it doesn't even bore you much anyway, so maybe you can. It's true enough to get all upset over animals and, and trees getting uprooted uh, than people. And um, I mentioned years ago too about when the, the bee colony disorders happened that I already knew about it before anything came in the papers because I know beekeepers and, and they'd noticed already, of course, that when the GM uh, stuff was in its test beds, um, they knew that the, the, the bees that were going off in those directions were coming back drowsy and they'd lie around and simply die. And they said it was either due to the GM food itself, which produces its own pesticide and the vegetables and also the, the, the types of um, pesticides that we're using on them. There's no doubt about it, because one of the guys I knew uh, mapped it all out to do with all the different beekeepers and where they're coming back from, because bees go in different directions, the, the, or your different hives, and the, the, the beekeeper knows that too. And so they know where they've been and where they're coming from, and where they'll always go to and come back from. And uh, he mapped it all out, sent it to the Minister of Agriculture in Canada, and they had to admit they had secret test beds on the GM uh, vegetables at the time. So it was obvious to them right off the bat what was happening. Of course, it was all this poo-poo and all sorts of mystery stuff for years. Anyway, controversy deepens over pesticides and bee collapse, it says here. A controversial new study of honeybee deaths was, has deepened a bitter dispute over whether the developed world's most popular pesticides are causing an ecological catastrophe. It's like the ongoing bisphenol A with humans, you know, as guys turn into women. You know, uh, is, does it really affect them or does it not? It's the same, it'll go on forever because they don't want to stop it. This is part of the agenda. Anyway, researchers led by biologist uh, Chen Sheng Lu of Harvard University report a direct link between hive health and dietary exposure to imidacloprid, it's called a so-called neonicotinoid, it's nicotine actually they use it from, neonicotinoid, pesticide linked to colony collapse disorder, the mysterious and massive die-off of bees across North America and Europe. It's not just that one, by the way. It's great too how they can mislead you by a particular article and you think that's all it's about. And it's really to lead you away from all the other stuff they're using on these crops. Anyway, says the study isn't without critics who say doses used in the study may be unrealistically high, but the level of a realistic dose is also a matter of controversy, and even critics say the findings are troubling. Anyway, it says one a result replicates colony collapse disorder, a result of pesticide exposure, said Lou, who specializes in environmental exposures to pesticides. We need to look at our agricultural policy and see if what we're doing now is sustainable. Everything's sustainable or unsustainable now, eh? Developed in the 1990s as a relatively less toxic alternative to pesticides that seriously harmed human health, of course, which they denied all the time that <laughs> pesticides harmed human health. Mm-hmm. It says this, um, this new one soon became the world's fastest growing pesticide class and an integral part of an industrial agricultural strategy. In the U.S. alone, uh, neonicotinoid, I can't even, can't even pronounce this darn thing, nicotinoid, Treated corn now covers a total area slightly smaller than the state of Montana. And so anyway, it's a buyer company that runs it. And um, nothing will probably happen, I'd imagine. What's interesting here too, though, is to do with what else is in this particular pesticide. Because 
it says, it says these pesticides are everywhere every year. We've used, we've never used pesticides in the way we're using them now. So it's massively used. And it says some European countries, including France, Germany, and Italy, have even banned this particular type, though pesticide companies defend their ecological safety. Anyway, it goes on to say uh, that um, we tried to mimic commercial beekeepers' practices. They found that supplements of high fructose corn syrup, it says, that may contain these particular neonicotinoids residues that survive processes, processing. So it's still in it, these, these fructose corn syrup stuff that's in it. And you see, this is also affecting the bees, maybe killing them as well. This is the stuff, by the way, the beekeepers were taught or told to, to, to supplement the bees when they take too much honey away for the winter. They actually add that to, to them so they can eat it. And that's also affecting them too, obviously. It affects humans. We've had lots and lots of studies on humans with high fructose corn syrup, which is in everything. If you want to stay fairly healthy, stay away from anything with high fructose corn syrup on it. It's all GM as well. And it says, and by the way, if it's got, even traces are bad for the bees of this stuff, you can imagine traces of the pesticides which they actually used on the, on the, the, the modified corn uh, in the first place. That'll be in, in the stuff too. You can't get rid of it. We try to mimic commercial beekeepers' practices, and I believe one reason that commercial beekeepers are experiencing the most severe colony collapse disorder is because of the link between the high fructose corn syrup and the neonicotinoids. Lou said, I've got it now, you see, you see it a few times. And, um, so it is a fairly detailed investigation into it. And, but once again, you're, you're left with the, this group versus that group because that's how most things end up when it's actually true. Uh, they just keep it up in the air for as long as they can because every day is money, right? That's how it works out. Another article, too, up tonight. I've mentioned it so many times. At least some of the U.S. states have got wind of what's going on with the ICLEI. And, and that's it's an organization that appoints members to your local council. Members of your local council can be members too, and then bring you all on board with it without you even knowing they're doing it. But it's across the whole planet, actually. It's not just the U.S. But it's local governments for sustainability. So it's an association of over 1,220 local governments, members who are committed to sustainable development. Here we are again, you see. Our members come from 70 different countries and represent more than, oh, so we're, so it's 569 million odd people. And it says, it's an international association of local governments, as well as national and regional local government organizations, as NGOs as well, who have made a commitment to sustainable development. Now, what is a commitment? Is it signed into law as a treaty? How is it, how is it done? You better find out, you see, because a lot of your tax money is going to these creeps now. Who shouldn't even be on your councils? You did, you, you, you're supposed to elect a council to, to look after you and your area, not the planet. And never mind the fact it's a, it's a, it's a United Nations organization to under that umbrella, you see, that then starts to dictate to you with no legal authority. But, but you, you all go along with it because you don't know what it's all about. So it says, the ICLEI provides technical consulting, training, and information services to, to build capacity, share knowledge, and support local government in the implementation of sustainable development at the local level. Our basic premise is that locally designed initiatives, you see, can provide an effective and cost-efficient way to achieve local, national, and global sustainability objectives. Well, who signed what? 
Do you get a chance to vote for any of these characters at all? Uh, do they mention any of this stuff when, you, when they're running for an election, even in your local council? Same as your, your, your presidents and prime ministers. Did they talk about all this agenda when they're running for, oh no, it's jobs, you know, and welfare, school, schooling, uh, uh, that kind of stuff? You see, we're international, been international for a long time. Invaded from within, basically. <laughs> from within. Because they're all amongst you, these creeps. You see? They're like spies everywhere, and they're agents, and they get into all the different organizations that run your lives. So it was founded in 1990 as the International Council for Local Environmental Initiatives. The council was established when more than 200 local governments from 43 countries convened at our inaugural conference, the World Congress of Local Governments for Sustainable Future at the United Nations in New York. Well, it's about time someone spelled out the power and legality of the United Nations to us all. Because they say, why not, why not vote these guys in? You know, we don't, you don't know who's in the United Nations, except for the main character at the top. Why don't we just vote for them and do away with all the, these front men? Obviously, they have to be front men, presidents, prime ministers, bureaucrats, all the rest of them. If the United Nations is running the show. Which is it? No one asks about it, eh? It's like being born with a wart on your nose. It's always there. So you accept it as normal. Anyway, the organization's name, Local Governments for Sustainability, is what they call ICLEI. That's what they say it stands for. And uh, its members voted to revise the organization's mission, charter, and name to better reflect the current challenges local governments are facing. But once they're into office, they start telling you all what to do in your local councils. You understand, too, a lot of your, your local tax money goes abroad. Not just your, your local, your state, or provincial in Canada. And federal, it's from every darn level it goes abroad. Even your cities designate so much money to go abroad to other countries to help them. I thought charity was voluntary. You're not under what you think of as democracy. You never have been. But anyway, as I say, I'll put up links for that too about them. Even in Hamilton, I was reading about Hamilton, Ontario today too. And how once they got in there, they started demanding that the, the, the Hamilton Ontario government starts to go along with all these different programs, which cost a lot of cash. And the public in Hamilton probably know nothing about it, except their taxes keep going up. You know? Now, as I say, it's just astonishing. We live in a little bubble. Each person lives in a bubble. And that's natural. It's actually encouraged as well. But you, you live in a bubble. You, you don't have time to look across the whole planet to see who's affecting you, who, who's who got his eye on your little bit of dirt that you live on or whatever. You don't have that kind of time. And you expect, having a sort of tribal instinct, that the ones that are elected to be the chief is going to look after you. And unfortunately, in this system, it doesn't work anymore. You've got to look after yourself because your chief is compromised. All your chiefs are. And they know it before they run for office at every level. Every single level. This article here is, it says troopers are, they talk about that the cops don't um, get quotas. We've had this before. Ontario is a good, a good example, or Toronto, I should say, where they're caught many times having quotas. In fact, the, the government said they would collapse 
uh, when the cops went and striking in, in Toronto once because the, the, they, were, they expect so much in fines every year. If it's not coming in, then they, they, uh, it, they actually go down you know, the tubes, basically. So they're an essential part of bringing cash in. This one here is in the States. It's Connecticut. And it says, an eye-opening state police inter- internal memorandum obtained by News 8 challenges state troopers in one barracks to outperform their trooper colleagues by writing hundreds of tickets on Friday. So different um, uh, troopers areas, barracks they call them, um, are, are having bets with each other on how many tickets they can hand out. Same as Britain, and it's encouraged at the top, you see, where, where they bring in cops from different areas who compete with each other to see how many tickets they can hand out on the roads that day. You understand, these are predators preying upon the public. It says the memo distributed Troop 1 in Bethany and obtained exclusively by News 8 basically lays down the gauntlet and any driver on state highway is fair game. According to the document, starting tonight at midnight, patrols will be stepped up. This has already happened, I think. The memo from Lieutenant Anthony Chirillo says, in part, we have to issue at least 60 infractions, misdemeanors each shift for a total of 180 infractions in order to outperform both Troop F and Troop G. One day, Troop F issued 301 tickets, and Troop G responded by issuing 345 in one day. We can do better, said the memo. I am asking that everyone, myself included, contribute to this effort. So, there you have it. I mean, you understand people are playing with us all for fun. But it's encouraged at the top because a lot of cash comes in, you see. It's nothing to do with right or wrong or anything else. It's just persecute the public. Of course, too, eventually it'll help you all. It might really steps up, you'll give up your car because... What's the point in having it when you're getting tickets every day? Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back cutting through the Matrix and we'll go to callers and there's Stephen from Indiana hanging on there. Are you still there, Steve? Steve. Ellen, yeah. Steve. Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to share an experience I had in the 80s. Yeah. And, okay, the Air Force stuck me out in the middle of New Jersey, and I was stuck with half civilians. And one day I heard a lot of people talking about they had to do some work inside the middle of their house. Uh-huh. And, and then they actually said that they were waiting for their permit to do a little bit of work in the middle of their house. And I said, well, how are people going to know what you're doing? They said, well, that's the law. <laughs> that's the law, yeah. yeah. And yeah. If, if people were, there, they were so far gone back then that, you know, I'm concerned that when they really start pulling it uh, here in the States that it's, it's not going to be hard for them to do it. I know. I, I've seen that myself up here in Canada, too. Around us, go ahead and do something and fix something. They have to go and get permission from their masters. Even if they're a hundred miles away, they, they'll still do it. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I never forgot that day, and I was just looking at these people like, why do you need a permit to do something in the middle of your house? And they said, mm-hmm. well, it's the law. Yeah, that's that's. Right. Well, I'll tell you too. I actually heard a guy once saying, "Well, it's, it's for tax purposes because um, apparently, if you improve anything inside your house as well." Then your taxes will go up if the tax man knows about it. And this happened already in, in, in other countries. Britain was bad for it where you'd put in a sliding door or something and up went your taxes because you'd improved the, the house. 
So uh, these guys, the people are so conditioned and brainwashed into complying. It's a servant-master relationship, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, absolutely. And the, the, the other thing that I experienced, now this was in the, the mid-80s, and, and I found myself surrounded by people that I don't know if they had low IQs, but the people that went along with everything the military told you, you moved up and right quick. And then if you didn't go along and you questioned anything, you had problems, and I went through that myself. Yes, uh, there's no doubt about it. There's, there's no doubt at all. They, they want instant compliance. Yeah. Yeah, and then the other thing I want to confirm that you have mentioned numerous times is that what they would do <clears throat> is they would they would screen out people that <clears throat> would not go along and question, and then and then like I said, they would just get rid of the people and they would make stuff up. Plus, yeah. it would make them look like they were doing their own job. Sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to add that story. Well, that, and, yeah, you know. that's okay, the way it is. Yeah. I'll let you go if you got something else from there, Alan. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks for calling. And it's Bobby from Massachusetts there. Yeah, there, Bobby. Hello, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yeah. Yes, Alan. I wanted to call in because um, uh, the rare topic of beekeeping and bees. Um, I knew a beekeeper here in Massachusetts that was brought in from Switzerland said that he had never seen such uh, wrong with the bees and that almost every bee had to be foreignly brought in here because of the, the contamination in the land. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. It, it's quite shocking to hear these things, but if you if you, if you ask the average person this, uh, they're still not getting it. You know, it, it no. just doesn't make sense to them. They're not getting it. What they've found out, even with um, the various sugars that they're feeding them, the artificial sweeteners and so on, as I was mentioned earlier too, it's making them very open to, to death by other means, like the mites and so on, that they used to be resistant to, and uh, has a lot of effects on them. So and uh, and yeah, beekeepers at one time uh, didn't have to keep ordering out of the country and bringing ones in all the time as they are today. Uh, it's a it's a very expensive, and also the governments too are, are down on the beekeepers like you would not believe. Uh, and Canada too, lots of them put out. They put it under by the governments themselves. They come along, oh, you've got uh, this, you've got that wrong. You've got to have stainless steel things to, to get the, the, the honey out, the combs now, and an, an office for the guy, the inspector to, to go in and, and sit in while he inspects all the damn honey. Who can afford that? Thanks for calling. From Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your God, go with you.